Exodus chapter 3. As we've been, we've been going through the several months over foundational type topics, and one of the things I wanted to talk about today, which I think is foundational, is, is knowing the will of God. How do we know the will of God? What does God want you to do? How do you hear it? And how do you get engaged in doing it? <clears throat> and so uh, this book, I think, had really seven practical topics, seven practical realities of experiencing God, which tie into knowing his will. And I wanted to go over them with you, but he goes through the, the book of Exodus. And this is the thing. There is a fight right now for your attention. There's a, a fight right now for your soul, what you will do for the rest of your life. There's a fight. There's an enemy out there who seeks to put pretty things in front of you and have you go down this path, following them for the rest of your life, and end up at the end of your life totally fruitless and useless. According to the way the world looks, oh, you've done wonderful things. But according to the kingdom of God, of which you're a part of, you come at the end of your life and it's all wood, hay, and stubble. And the enemy is effectively working within the church. I'm sorry, he's effectively has worked within my own life to render me fruitless. Just because a person stands in front of you and talks about a bunch of things in the Bible does not mean they're bearing fruit of the Spirit in their life. Amen? So we, together, are on the same plane. Amen? God, help us to hear you, to see you, to know your will, and to do it. Because that is the very reason why you have been created. Say you have this invention. And you spend time and energy. And you've thought out this thing. You've written it down. You've spent your whole uh, life thinking about what this thing will be. You know its purpose. You know why the parts are in it that it, it's, that it has. You know how you put it together. The way it will function the types of materials you used to create it. And you have it there, and you have it set for a specific purpose like no other, custom made. And this thing just will not do what it's meant to do. How frustrating. If it only knew how awesome it would be at what it was supposed to do. How awesome it would be, how, how, how fruitful, how... How, how much meaning it would have and experience in its existence if it just did what, if it knew and it did what it was supposed to be doing. And how much more for us created by God's hand. Formed you, made you, Jeremiah 17, the whole thing, knew you, consecrated you. Each of you has a specific DNA. We're formed by specific people placed in certain t places and time. Certain vocations, certain... I hate math. How many of you love math? You are weird. You may leave now. No, seriously. God has made you that way for a reason. My wife, you know, she can do that stuff. I round off the numbers and the rocket goes into the sun. She calculates it and it orbits around the moon or whatever else was said. You know what I'm saying? God didn't make me to be that. He made to be me to be a visionary, a thinker, abstract, all that type of stuff. I'm, I'm made differently than she is. How did I know that? How did I discover that? 
how am I continually, continually discover who I am? But not, not only that, but what is this whole thing about? What is God doing? What is his plan? Not just my plan. We're so American, and we want to know, what's my, what do you, God, where am I? What is your plan for me? And the question I think that we need to start asking is not what is your plan for me, but what is your plan that I may be a part of it? Because in that plan, we will be placed, just like that object that we created over here, be placed for a specific purpose in fulfilling his plan. And therefore, we will have the most, I would say the most fun, we'll have the most joy, we'll have the most meaning and fulfillment, and he will bring him the most glory. We're going to be bearing fruit. Amen? And so knowing the will of God, it's very important. And I think one of these things that, uh, I mean, this, this story that we're, that, that we're going to go over today uh, in part in Exodus, and, and I might go a little bit over today. I'm, you know, I'm going to pre-apologize. It's a preemptive apology. Um, but, you know, just pretend like it's football, okay? Tune out for a few minutes if you need to. Come back in. Jesus said in John 4:34, said, My food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Second Matthew says, My food is a number four with supersized drinks. Second Matthew, that's me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What's my food? Jesus is saying, My food, God, the thing that drives me, the thing that, that makes my life tick is to do your will, to know it and to do it. That's, and that's just like, that's out of this world for us. But he said that in John 4.34. And I, and I would encourage you, if you have a pencil, to take notes on the back of your, uh, of your bulletin or, or whatever it is you want to do there. But uh, write these things down. Mow over them. Because guess what? It'll be gone. It'll be gone. And the enemy will come and seek to take these things out of our hearts. John 4.34, my food, Jesus said, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus lived to do and to complete the will of his Father. For us as followers of Jesus Christ, we've said, Lord. The very the reason why we say Lord, that implies something, doesn't it? It implies that he is what? Lord. And that he's in control. That I don't give the orders, that he gives the orders, that we're submitted to him, right? And in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, it says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we stop there, but it goes on in, in verse 10, and it says, For we are God's handiwork, here is poem, here is creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. By the way, which God has prepared in advance for you to do. God has specific good works for you to walk in in your life. And that implies that we can also not be walking in those things. He has these things prepared for you, laid out. How many of you parents have good things laid out for your kids? You have thoughts about a future and a hope. And it might not sound fun to them, right? But you have a, a, an overall view of what health is going to bring. Why do we want to have not all these uh, relationships before marriage? Because... You know, how many of us have done that and gone, you know what? It destroys things. It's not right. It brings death. This world says go do it. It's a lie. It's a lie. And so we're, 
as parents, we're looking out at our children's lives and going, this brings health. This is life. I have a future and hope for you. I know the good things I want you to walk in. And, and for us as parents, it stops because one day they have to be submitted to the Lord in that, right? But Father, it doesn't stop. He continually sees your life and has planned it out and, and wants these things for you to walk in them. In Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, especially verse 10, we are created, we are God's handiwork. You're his poem. Created in Christ Jesus for a purpose. To walk in the good works that he's planned for you. Now, when I think of good works, I think of boring. Amen? Anyone? Let us go out and walk people across the street in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Well, some of you are going to be like, yeah. Well, you're created to do that, aren't you? Have fun. But some of you, man, I love preaching. Love it. You're like, and, and you know what my greatest fear is when I was growing up? Public speaking. How many of you guys see me mumble and I can't read well and all these things? You know, I, I have dyslexia sometimes and I'll do things and I lose my thoughts and that's just from the drugs, you know, I mean, whatever it was. God takes all these things and goes, I still have a plan for you. There was a reason why when I was a kid and I'd read, little, read lyrics and I'd try to figure out what they meant and what the meaning was. God was at work way back then while I was lost, preparing in me the desire to hunt through his word and to find out what it truly meant. You've been made and fashioned, and each of you are custom people in Christ Jesus. You're individuals. There's a reason you have a different fingerprint. But it's not to fulfill your purpose. It is to fulfill his purpose. And he desires that you would give that over to him. Acts 17 26, 28 says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And this, verse 27 of Acts, Acts 17 says, God did this. Why did he do that? Why did he put everybody in, in time and places and lands? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far away from any of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. You know, Paul's speaking to a group of Greek thinkers. These Greek thinkers believe in a pantheon of gods. They believe in many gods. And they come to this one god, the unknown god. They, just in case they missed one, they, ha they, they had made sure they put one that said the unknown god. Now, this, these are people are intellectually honest. And they're trying to, you know, think through some of these things. And they go, well, there might be one we missed. And Paul talks about, walks through this, this situation, looks at all these situations. He doesn't start nailing them for the gods that they believe in, does he? He goes, no, I want to introduce you to the God who is Lord of all, who created all of this. And this is what he did. He placed everybody in the places that they are in time, in space, in, in nations, in families, in churches, circumstances, so that we would know him. Tell me about how we need to cry out to God being in America today. Tell me how we need to cry out to God being in the family you've been placed in. Tell me how you need to cry out to God and to seek him in the relationship struggles that you have today, the economics, the social, all these things. We need to cry out to him. He wants us to seek him so that we would know his will for this. Same principle in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve placed in this beautiful place. All these things. Wonderful, eat all this. It says that the Lord walked with them in the cool of the day. Why was he walking with them? 
because they were asking him questions. They were asking, what's going on? What is the purpose of this? What is the meaning of this? How does this work out? They didn't know everything. We don't know everything. Don't go to the tree. Come to me. Same principle today. Don't go to to all the world's answers. Come to God. Know his will. Acts 17, the reason why you're put here, mankind's purpose is God's will. Why have you been placed in this nation? Why have you been placed in this state, this country, the family that you're in? Acts 17, 27, God did this so that they would seek him, perhaps reach out for him and find him. He's not really that far from any of us. Paul was reminding him, they're not far away. He's not far. He didn't wind up the world and run away. He's here. And in him, you move and you have your being. That is your purpose. Your existence is to know him. And man is crying out for it. And if you look at it, we are seeking someone to worship. All nations are. In this fallen world, there's an answer. And so, I'd like to speak to you about seven realities. We might not get through them today. That's all right. That will help you experience and know God. How do we know? How do we know what his will is and what we're to do with it? And they're right there in your thing. And the first, uh, and this is going to be open up to Exodus. Make sure you're up in Exodus chapter 3. The first thing to recognize as we're doing this. And by the way, this is, again, Experiencing God by Henry and Richard Blackaby. Uh, uh, this outline is, I've added a lot to it. But um, the first thing to recognize in discovering God's will is that God is always at work around you. Did you know God is working around you right now? You know, as a pastor, you know, I see a lot of, uh, you know, it's, I, I think it's, it's like a policeman. You know, you, you're just constantly in a state of emergency. There's constantly struggle. There's constantly the, the dark side that the, the, you're dealing with the constant, the people have reaped and they're sowing. Or there's, uh, you know, fam- the volatility within the family. There's people not getting along. There's all the, you know, there's all the fruits of this world that we live in, this broken place we live in, right? The pastor's kind of constantly just going up and going, well, okay, well, this is what God said. Well, I don't want to listen to what God said, but I want you to listen to me, okay? Um, you know, and you're constantly trying to, and, and then and then you're broken as well. You got, and so it's hard to see God moving in the midst of a broken world, isn't it? It's hard to see it, and we've got to recognize that. But nevertheless, God is at work. Exodus chapter 2, 23 through 25, so flip over to 2. The people of God had been in captivity for 400 years, and it says in verse, 30, verse 23 of chapter 2, it says the Israelites groaned in their slavery, and they cried out to God. And their cry for help because of, this, uh, of their slavery went up to God. And God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. God had a plan. He saw a need. He knew what was going on. He heard the cry of his people. And he was beginning to initiate something. He wanted to redeem his people. It was his plan. God was at work. God is doing things in this world right now. God, while Matt Dotson was in San Diego and had no concept of Walla Walla, Washington, God was at work in this church. He was at work in your lives. He was in work, at work in each of you. He had a plan. He has a plan. He is continually having a plan. He is at work in this fellowship, in this city. No, never heard of Walla Walla before. God was at work. He had a plan. God is at work around you. It's hard to see, but he is at work around you. Secondly, well, I want to say this as well. Unless God opens our eyes to see what he is doing, 
Unless God opens our eyes to see that. Remember we talked about open our eyes to spiritual realities in prayer? God opened their eyes that they might see. Unless God opens our eyes to see the work that he is doing, we're going to remain blind to it. We will remain blind. We can walk in the midst of it and have no concept of it really going on. How does this, how does this awakening occur? How does this happen? How do we wake up from the stupor, from the blindness, from the lulling that this world casts out upon us, that the enemy has laid over us like a blanket? Go to sleep, child. Go to sleep. Never mind what you were made for. Just take this. Watch this. Do this. Go to sleep. How do we wake up? Secondly, if we are to know the will of God, we must recognize that God is actively pursuing and continuing a love relationship with you that is real and personal right now. God is pursuing you in the darkness. God is pursuing you right now. Apart from God's grace, apart from God's intervention, we stay asleep. We stay numb. We stay in our own way. Mark 12.30 says the great... Uh, Oh, actually, I wanted to skip down to something else. No. But I think Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, verse 6. It says, we all like uh, sheep have gone astray, each to our own way. Any of you, like, ever have, like, a crazy... I, you know, I don't have sheep, but I have a cat. <clears throat> it's not even my cat. I, like, it decided it wanted to be my cat. Like, it keeps coming around. And, you know what it left at my door the other day? Yes. A bird? No. A rat? No. A squirrel. I'm like, what do I do with this squirrel? I mean, anyways. And then it just like, it leaves when it wants to, comes when it wants It's like, you're just a bad cat. Anyways, we're not to be cats. We're really more like dogs, even though I love this okay. But God is pursuing us. It says the greatest commandment, Mark 12, 30, Jesus is talking about, he was asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. That was the first, right? And the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself, right? But God is pursuing us for that reason, that we might love him with our hearts, with our emotions, with our very beings, with our thoughts, with the energies we have, with our bodies, that we would love him, that we would do what we were created to do. John 3.16, God, God pursues a love relationship with you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if you believe in him, you will not perish because everyone on earth will perish. After your, your heart stops beating, you will go either to eternity with God or you go eternity away from God. That is what the Bible teaches. And he says you, you will go to one place or the other and God sent his son so that you would be with him. He loved you. He pursued you. He has come after you. He has paid the way through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8, that God demonstrated his own love for us. I'm sorry, for God, uh, I was, yeah, sorry. Demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, God, uh, Jesus Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love for you, that while we were still sinning, while we had nothing to do with him, he had a plan for you. He died for you to make the way for you to come to him. He seeks you out. He seeks sinners out. He seeks 
the weak out. He seeks the lost out. He seeks the broken out. He seeks the humble out. He goes after mankind, casting a net. Will you please come? God seeks you out. And as we spoke about last week, about having an effective prayer life, the foundation of knowing God, God's will for your life, is the same as that, as, as having a, a vibrant prayer life. It's, it's knowing Him. You want to know God's will, you have to know God. You have to be in relationship with Him. This is the foundation for everything we do. That's the foundation for why we're in this room. If it's not, recheck. Because that's religion. And that's what the rest of the world is doing. The rest of the world is saying, if I do enough good things at the end of my life, God will be happy with me. No, I'm sorry. That is not the gospel. The gospel is you're in a love relationship with God. He bought you. You love him. And you're compelled by this love to do the things that he loves to do. And it changes you from the inside out, not from the outside in. That is why we gather together. That is why we help the sick and the broken and the lost. Amen? So a heart, heart check there. But apart from God's grace and his love for us, we would be lost. But God pursues us. Exodus 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that through the bush, that though the bush was on fire, he did not, it did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see what strange sight this is. God attracted Moses, didn't he? He knew what would draw a shepherd, a bush that does not stop burning. I mean, there's not much to attract someone in the desert, you know? I'm going to go over and check it out. You know, for me, you know, it was this Christian band. What is with these guys? Why do they love Jesus? They sound cool and all this stuff. There was an attraction, an initial attraction that God woke me up out of the dark and I started moving towards it. Man, their lyrics, they just kind of penetrate my soul. What is this? And I was drawn towards him. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over there and see what it is. And when the Lord God saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. God called out to him. God initiated. God is initiating with you this morning. Take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground. God invites you to be with him, to be in holy ground. Amen? He wants you to be with him. But he says, don't come any closer, God. So take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy ground. There are things that we have to do to be right with God, and that is to accept Jesus Christ. Amen? There's no way we get into God's presence without the Son of God. He said, I'm the God of your fathers. He starts to reveal himself to him. God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know who he is and his relationship to you. He starts speaking to Moses and he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And when God starts to reveal himself to us, we are faced with our own sinfulness. We are faced with the reality of our failures. We are faced with who we really are. And it is for this very reason that God draws you close, that he might cleanse you and you can be a part of it. 
Now we want to say, let me put on all these things, let me do all these things, and then you'll accept me, God. And God says, no, you come just as you are, naked and poor, wretched and blind. Come to me, and I will make you clean. You can't make yourself clean. I can make you clean. I love you. love you so much that I showed it by my own son. I sent him to take your sin away. God initiates. God is pursuing a love relationship with you, and this is the foundation how is that going? You see the apple of your eye. You know, we kind of rework this. I'm not even aware of what's going on, God's will is. The truth is, I'm not even really trying to find out what his will is because I'm not even in a relationship with the Father. I'm not even trying sometimes. I'm actually busy about my own will. And I'm wondering, I'm having such a frustrating life because I've decided that I'm going to give my life to Jesus, but I'm not going to follow him. I want you to take away my sins, Lord, but I don't want you to be Lord. I don't want to give all of me. These, these songs are classic. I surrender all. You know what I mean? All to thee, my precious Savior. What are they saying? I am all in. I am turning from my will to your will. Does that mean God wants you to be a good monk on top of a hill? No. Once you be actively engaged in your society, your family, your culture that he's placed you in, you're here for a reason. But he doesn't want that to be the reason you're here. He wants him to be the reason. So God desires that vibrant relationship with you, and this leads to our third point. And as we are in relationship with God, he invites you to become involved in his work. As you get to know him, guess what? Anybody want to hang out with anybody else? Why do you want to hang out with him? And what do you start doing once you hang out with him? The things that they like to do, you, they start doing the things you like. You find things in common and you go for them, right? The cool thing is God already made you to be who you are and he knows that. And you start hanging out with him and you find out these are the things he's created for you to do. Pretty cool, huh? Awesome. The third point, as you are in relationship with God, as you're spending time with him, as you're praying, as you're seeking him, as you're finding him, which is not fun stuff, it's discipline, it's called discipleship, which we're called to, we're called to die to ourselves and follow Jesus. Remember that cross thing daily that identifies us with Christ? The, this is what, out of that relationship, we start walking with the Lord, we start understanding the things that he wants us to understand, and he starts to open our eyes to a world we never saw. And we start to look at relationships differently. We start to look at circumstances differently. Just like the disciples. They were walking, they said, follow me. Okay. Starts following them. And all of a sudden, Jesus is already on mission. He already has a plan. He already has a purpose. And he invites them to come be a part of it. Amen? He wants to wake us up. He invites us. And obviously, um, we're speaking about worship here. Worship is, is saying, it's not just singing, that's part of it, and we'll talk about more of this uh, next, probably next week, but worship uh, is, is that life that's set upon him, that's set on his joy. I will turn towards you and I'll do whatever you call me to do. I, I live worship. I, I, I worship you. It's an active thing for all of us. And so uh, that third point, as we're in a relationship with God, he invites us to be involved with him. God's plan for Moses wasn't to make him a great shepherd of sheep, was it? 
Moses, I want to make you the best shepherd of sheep. Now, I want to say this. God's plan for Moses was to fulfill God's plan, wasn't it? Which, by the way, was prepared for Moses to walk in. Think about this for a second and relate it to your own life. Just think about this. I would go as far to say that Moses' entire life up to that point, up until the point where God called him, that, that whole thing, his life was divinely prepared for what he was about to step into. Moses' desire to free God's people wasn't misplaced. Remember 40 years earlier? The reason why he was placed in the basket wasn't a mistake. The reason why he was raised in the courts of Pharaoh was not a mistake. The reason why he had a desire to set his people free, but in his own flesh he could not accomplish that. He murdered and fled to the wilderness for 40 years. Even in that, even in the mistakes, anybody with a mistake in your life, a horrible mistake. God used that to prepare him for the things that he would do. Any of you old in here? Okay, Moses is 80. Uh, yes, he lived at 120, so factor that in. But this is well beyond middle age. For anybody, I don't care if you're 120 or not, that's, the, that's old, right? 80 is hard on the bones. But you know what? God waited until he got Egypt out of him before he could use him. We talk about that often. He wasn't walking around that wilderness for 40 years knowing the wilderness for nothing because what was God calling him into? To lead, not sheep, but the sheep of Israel, the sheep of God in that wilderness for another 40 years. You might be in a really difficult place today. You might have made some pretty bad mistakes, but God is preparing you for the next step in his glory. Failure in the kingdom of God. Yeah, we fail. But it's a marker to know how much we've grown the next time we make a mistake. Look at what God's been since the last time I blew it. <laughs> how cool, huh? <laughs> Would Moses go on to blow it and, and hit the rock instead of speak to the rock? Yeah. Can't go in the promised land. Flip. Okay, he didn't. He died, right? We all get sad about that, but as I kind of flip over to Matthew, who's on the Mount of Transfiguration? Where is he? Who is he with? Jesus will bring you to where you cannot go in your own strength. Jesus loves you. He wants you to walk with him, and he wants to call you to his will, not to yours. And he does the Exodus 3, 7. Lord, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. Exodus 3, 7, right? It's now 3, 8. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing of milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, and all these other things. And now the cry of... <laughs> The Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh and to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God is inviting you to become part of his plan. There are people, captives to slaves, 
I mean, slaves who are captives of sin all around you. And God is calling you to not go have the coolest sheep shop you have, to be the greatest shepherd, but in the midst of that, to use your life and all those assets God's given you and all the relationships and all the tools you have to go rescue people. Whatever capacity that is. I'm not talking you're going to be a Billy Graham or a Moses. I'm not a Moses. But God wants to have that relationship with you so that you hear his call and he opens your eyes to the field he's called you to and you begin to walk in it. Not out of I have to, but because you're compelled. Because you know him. And this is what the Lord does. He opens it up. Moses, this plan I've had all along, I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of my plan. I want you to take your plans of what you have for your life this morning. And I want to end on this. And lay them before the Lord. And say, God, are these your plans? Everything down to what we eat for breakfast. And just lay it down. It's a scary thing, isn't it? Because how many of us have like shaped our lives around what we want to do? Yeah, me too. Lay it before him. God, open my eyes to what you've really called me here for. Let me see the world the way that you see it. Ephesians 5, 10, somewhere around there. I can't remember exactly in that whole section there. It just says, you know, live wisely. Don't live foolishly. Know the will of the Lord. Redeem the time. Take your life and place it in his hands. It's a scary thing. But I tell you what, what we're doing is saying, God, did you really, what am I made for? Who am I? Who did you make me to be? What am I here for? I'm stuck in a rut. I have no prayer life with you, God. It's just horrible. My relationship with so-and-so is not going great. I don't know what your will is. I'm just defeated. And I just want to go to sleep. And I'm finding much more joy in all these other things you've get, you, that you've given me but the, that the world has to offer. I'm much more happy being entertained. I'm much more happy preoccupying my, my time with the Chargers losing. I'm much more happy, you know, horrible sin. I'm much more happy, you know, medicating myself. I'm much more happy in, you know, getting the thrill of this relationship. I'm much more, I'm much more, I'm much more. And the enemy is just saying, go to sleep, child. God's saying, I have so much more for you. But like Kayla said, I'm not going to rip your heart out of your chest. You've got to give it to me. And I will make it new. And I will give you purpose. And I will cause it to beat like it's never beat before. And I will fill you to overflowing with something you've never experienced before. And that is what lights the world on fire. Not trying to get people to church, but being the church. That's what changes nations. That's what changes families. That's what changes marriages. Because it's his will being accomplished, not mine. By the way, you will be persecuted. Right? Jesus adds all these things. I just want to put that in there. It's not all hunky-dory, right? Oh, it's so great. I can't wait to attain it. Why are they getting mad at me? Because the enemy wants you to go to sleep. So let's stop here, and let's pick up the rest next week, and let's pray. Okay? Father.
we, we come before you as your, your children that you have bought with the precious blood of your son on Calvary. And Lord, we ask for revival. Not a strange, weird word, but just a, a rebirth, a regeneration in our heart, a sensitivity to your spirit. Lord, we are like sheep who have gone astray so many times. We, we keep walking in our own ways and it doesn't satisfy. And Lord, we're just kind of blind to the fact of your ways sometimes. And we don't know what your will is and we get discouraged in it when it doesn't happen or the way we think it's supposed to happen. Open our eyes to the way we're processing life. Open our eyes to what we are, what we're just so robotly doing every day. Lord, help us to see that you're, you're working around us, that you are active. Help us, draw us, pursue us. Lord, help us to respond, and may we respond as an act of our will to be yours, to engage in that relationship. And as we do, God, encourage us by opening our eyes to the things you have for us. Give us something to do. Some of us are so bored because we don't have anything to do. We're just kind of just, so we'll just do what we've always done. Help us to do things for you, but not out of the other way we've been, we've been doing stuff, but out of that relationship. God, call us to things that are bigger than ourselves. Call us to things that require great faith. Call us to things to where we come to a, a time in our lives when we look and we see that we are going to die unless you do something. And then open that Red Sea, God, and let us run through it with joy. That others would see your glory and not us. We praise you, Lord. Just pour it out on your kids today. Pour it out on your church. Fill them with your joy and your love. Rip that blanket of just uh, lulling to sleep. Just rip it right off of us, God. And, and let the light shine in. In the name of Jesus, amen.